Amen. Hey, you guys can be seated. Um, if you're here with us for the first time, we're glad you're here. <clears throat> Before we get going today, I want to just first say um, to all who helped out serving at Mort Elementary this past Monday, um, thank you. Right? I mean, I know uh, a lot of you guys couldn't make it during the day, uh, but many of you still spent hours uh, cutting turkeys and potato, cooking potatoes and green beans and helping with desserts. Um, decorations, right? I mean, it was, a, it was an all-around team effort, so thanks for all who helped out with that. I think it turned out to be a great success. Um, something, you know, this is just something we want to do a couple times a year. We want to really uh, just pause our midweek groups and serve our community, and the hope is not just that we feel good about ourselves by serving the community, but we really want it to be a springboard for us to intentionally serve our community. The hope is that um, this would just give us a small glimpse of the needs of our surrounding community, that we could be the hands and feet of Jesus to build relationships, um, and so that each of us can really continue to serve these, these areas of our city throughout the year um, when it's not planned by the church. We want to serve, we want our serve weeks, we want them to be a springboard into what, uh, we want the springboard us into serving our community throughout the year. So with that said, we're going to continue our King of the Kingdom series uh, that we just started last week. It's a six-week three-part series, and it's structured out of one verse, Matthew 1.1, and here it is. It's on the screen. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. That's it. One verse. Uh, we're spending two weeks. We're going to spend two weeks looking at uh, the pro- God's promise to Abraham. We're going to spend two weeks looking at God's promise to David, and then two weeks on the promise of the coming king, and we're in week two of God's promise to Abraham. Okay? Uh, if you have no clue who these people are, totally fine. Um, they're considered great heroes of the Bible, uh, and Jesus came from their lineage. Jesus was part of the family tree of, uh, it came from the family tree of, of Abraham and David. Paul, if you think of uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, out of our last series, um, you know, Paul was in the, in the New Testament. He came after Jesus. Abraham and David, he came, they came before Jesus. Um, David came hundreds of years before Jesus, and Abraham came thousands of years before Jesus. So these are old dudes, Right? We're just looking at their life and how they lead up to Jesus. And the hope of this series is to paint a, a vision for the next year for us, for New City Church. While looking at faith and how, what God does with faith in the midst of what we're doing. And, and, and really also to help prepare us for Christmas. Um, so we've got vision, faith, and Christmas. So we've got our own little Hallmark Christmas movie here. Um, so last week we looked at the first half of Abraham highlighting the promises that God gave to Abraham, seeing that God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, right? And then also we saw that that God's promise to him is for all nations. It's for the entire world. It's for us. It's for people in major cities of the world, right, and skyscrapers all over the world, and there's people in huts of Africa and in the tribes of, in the the villages of India. It's for all families of the earth, right? God's promise is for all families of the earth. So we we see that God is a global God, and he wants a global people. We also saw that God's, God's promise comes specifically through Abraham's offspring. right? It comes through his lineage. And ultimately, this comes through Jesus, which is how his promise extends to those who trust in Jesus today. And then finally, we saw this promise came with a blessing which is fulfilled in many ways. But most importantly, it's fulfilled through the blessing of eternal life. And we ended our time last week, and I'm recapping all this because we ended our, our time last week um, seeing that if God's promise is for every people group, every nation to worship Jesus, then we, as New City Church, if God has made that promise, then we as a church can have great confidence as we labor to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Okay, We can have great confidence in our mission statement to see Jesus change lives and to reach the world. 
because this is God's heart, this is God's vision, because as we'll see more today, God is the ultimate promise keeper, and we can have great, we can have great confidence in our mission. We introduced, uh, with this, we introduced last week, and you're going to see later, uh, that we, New City Church, we're partnering with a church planting team in South Asia that is working among an unreached people group, people that have never heard the name of Jesus. In this area that we're partnering with, there's 20 million people, there's over 16,000 villages, and on top of that, 400 people die every day. 400 people die every day without hearing the name of Jesus. So our partnership includes praying for them, specific, consistent, and targeted prayers. Our partnerships can include giving to them. You know, we're doing a year-end generosity initiative. We're part of this. We'll, be, we'll, we'll go to help this team to, to advance the gospel in this part of the world. To go. Right, if we're going to be a sending church, we need to be committed to send people here to go to parts of the world who, where people have never heard of Jesus. My hope and prayer for our, our little church is that every single person would, would pray and consider and be bought in, possibly spending five to seven days among an unreached people group by 2021. So that's, that's the hope and prayer. That's something that I've had a dream for, is that, if, that we would all pray and consider to spend five to seven days by 2021. So <laughs> we would spend, spend time with those who have never heard. So would, would we set that in our mind, right? And then possibly take someone with us, right? Take someone with us that's not currently in our church, someone that God brings here, possibly saves here, gets baptized here, and then a couple months later, what could God do if someone starts to get a glimpse of God's global mission, right? Give them a, a glimpse of what God is doing all over the world. So five days by 2021, right? We're asking everyone to pray and consider it. Uh, we want to be committed to pray. We want to be committed to go. And we want to be committed to give. So over the next several weeks, we'll be providing more information about what this is going to look like, but more specifically about praying and giving. Um, last week, uh, we highlighted God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, 15, and 17, but we stopped in chapter 15, we saw the stories in chapter 15, and there are a number of significant points to this promise that we brought up, uh, but one part of the promise that I want to highlight today was the part that seemed least likely, right? The, the, prom- the part of the promise that seemed least likely, that, that we're hopeful about being a great nation, being blessed, but it all hinged on them having a child, having a baby. Everything they gave their life to Right? If, if Abraham and Sarah, if they did not have a child, if they did not have a baby, everything they gave their life to would all come crumbling down. Right? If this part of the narrative, as you're reading it, right, if you're, um, you know, we should essentially be on the edge of our seat as we're reading this part of the narrative. You know, when we think of uh, when you like, watch a movie um, or a show, you're kind of wondering what in the world is going to happen. Um, for those that remember 24, that show, 24, that ended every show with the constant cliffhanger. You're always kind of wondering, like, what's going to happen to Jack? Like, is Jack going to make it? You know, uh, is Jack going to save the day? And it often feels hopeless, like, this is going to end the series, the show's going to end, um, because Jack can't get out in some way. Um, and for those who didn't watch it on Netflix, uh, you were wondering all week long what was going to happen uh, to Jack. Um, well, that's how we should feel here as the reader, right? We should, that's how we should feel as the reader, wondering... How in the world is God going to keep this promise? How is God going to keep this promise? Because it all hinges on them having a baby, and Sarah is barren. Right? This seems impossible, and if it doesn't happen, this would make God a liar. This would make God a liar if this does not happen. So this is the tension in the narrative that we're in the part of with the life of Abraham. But we also know the ending. 
Right? We know the ending of the story. And because we know how the story ends, we have a great reason to hope, to have a greater trust in the Lord. And so what we're going to see today is that God is the ultimate promise keeper. God is the ultimate promise keeper. It's not in God's character to lie. He can only, God can only keep his promises. For God to be good, he must, God must keep his promises. And we can trust that God will keep his promises. Because he has, listen, God has thousands of years of kept promises, upholding every single one of them. God has upheld every single one. There are hundreds of God's promises recording in history that were made and kept. And the promise God made to Abraham and kept is one of the first of many that that show God as trustworthy and faithful and the ultimate promise keeper. So this is one of the first. He he had a, a couple before this, but this is one of the first ones. And as we already said, last week we saw that God's promise was for all nations. It was for his offspring. And it would be for a forever blessing, but today we're going to see what seems to be that threat, right? It's that moment of doubt in the promise. The moments where, the moment where faith is required. And even in the midst of doubt and unbelief, God remains faithful. So we're going to see in the moments that seem most doubtful are often when God shows himself to be the most faithful. Again, showing that he is the ultimate promise keeper. So similar to last week, I want to I walk through the story, picking up where we ended. I want to read one part of this story. And I'm going to summarize uh, the remaining story of Abraham, highlighting a few things along the way, looking at a few themes throughout the entire part of the story. And we'll use these themes that we see throughout the story as our outline. Okay, so these themes are going to be our outline, but we're going to go through the story first. And so um, here's the outline. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you so you guys can go ahead and write it down. It's going to be, number one, the danger of doubt. Number two, the faithfulness of God. And number three, the power of faith. So those are the themes we're going to see throughout the story. But um, I'm really hopeful that this will be encouraging for us today because in the times of our doubt, that's often when we see God's faithfulness come bursting through. right? But it's not in our, to- in our timing. This is in God's perfect timing. And this is so hard for us. This is often so hard for us because <laughs> we, live in, we live in like an easy Mac, I want it now, uh, microwave world. Like, that's just kind of the world we live in. It's like instant gratification. Um, but God's timing, it doesn't work that way. God's timing and our, and our timing, they often don't line up, but it's always for our good because God is always faithful and God always keeps his promises because God is doing a million things behind the scenes that we can't see and it's for our good and God's glory. And oftentimes, in the midst of it, God is working and growing our faith. So with that said, let's work through this, the narrative, okay, our story for today. It's going to take about 10 minutes, so hang tight here. Um, just like we did last week, I want you guys to pause here for a second, look at your neighbor and say, uh, I can do this, okay? I can keep up, All right? You can do this. All right, here we go. So last week we stopped at chapter 15, okay, seeing that God just reaffirmed his promise to Abraham, emphasizing that this promise would come through his offspring. Right, this would come through his lineage. And so that's where we stopped. And then right after that, Abraham asked him to confirm this promise. And God confirmed it. God confirmed this promise through a series of sacrifices. And then we pick up in Genesis chapter 15, verses 22. And this is what it says. And the sun was going down. A deep sleep fell on Abram. 
And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. You know, when we're reading this story, it really just feels like Abraham or Abram, he can't, he just, the guy just can't catch a break. Right? It's just like one thing after the next. He just found out, just found out that his blessed offspring, that later in the future, uh, they'll be servants and they'll be afflicted for 400 years. Talk about encouraging, right? This is not exactly what they want to hear. If this were, if this were me, I'd be like, really? Like, why is this happening? But it says right after that, look at verse 14. It says, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. So essentially God is saying, okay, in the future it will be very difficult for them, but it's only for a time. But your offspring, the people that come after you, will be blessed after a time of difficulty and hardship. So they've got to get through the difficulty and the hardship to get to the blessing, which we know this exact thing happened about 600 years later during the great Exodus. And that's just another example of God's promises. We don't have time for that story, but God did fulfill that. And then after this, after he said this to Abraham, God continues to share more specifics of his promise and confirm it through sacrifices. And then he gets to chapter 16. I want to highlight what happens here, okay? Because remember, all these promises come through their offspring. It comes through their child's lineage. But Abram, wife, Abram, uh, Abram's wife, Sarah, she's been told, remember, she can't make a baby. So Sarah has this idea up her sleeve, okay? Uh, this is the part we skipped last week, and it gets a bit spicy. So, so pay attention. Look at chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had, been, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai, which it's generally a good idea to listen to your wife, but not in this instance, okay? So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. So let's just think about this for a second, okay? Sarah, she had a moment of great doubt, okay? And she started to think, there's no way this can happen. So what is she going to do? She's going to take matters into her own hands. And knucklehead Abram, right, he listened to his wife in the middle of her doubt, showing through his actions that Abram too doubted God, right? And then after their doubt, they had an, oh no, what in the world have I done moment. All right, that's kind of what happens. And this is what the Bible says next. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress, and Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So let's recap, right? Sarah told Abram to make a baby with Hagar. Abram was not very smart, and he actually did it. Abram has a baby with Hagar named Ishmael. Sarah then gets mad at both Abram and Hagar. Sarah is then mean to Hagar, but God, in his kindness, 
comforts Hagar, right? He comforts Hagar, is kind to Hagar, and then 13 years later, right? 13 years of silence, 13 years later, God shows up again to Abraham. In spite of their disobedience, right? He shows up in spite of their sin, in spite of their failure, and God shows up again, and God shows incredible grace here. And then he reestablished his promises again and affirms that this promised offspring, it would indeed come through Sarah. It was still is going to come through Sarah. At this point, this is the crazy part, at this point, Abram, Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 years old. So Abram, Abraham thought this was just hilarious that these two old folk would actually have a baby. He just thought this was hilarious. And this is, what we, this is what we read next. Look at verse 17. And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? You see, Abraham, he doubted God. Because right after that, he says, Surely, surely this is going to come through Ishmael. Then God responded to Abraham and said, No, no. It will indeed come through your wife, Sarah. And at this point, this promise that God made to them, this seems way too far off, way too crazy. And really, it just seems impossible. But let's fast forward to chapter 18, okay? And at this, at this point in the story, Abraham, he's sitting in front of a tent, okay? And Abraham sees these men. He sees these men standing in front of a tent, and he saw them, and he ran to greet them. And it seems like uh, it seems like Abraham at this point, he knew that it was God walking. These three men were, were potentially were, seemed to be God. And he offered them water to wash their feet and come in to rest and to get them bread from his wife, Sarah. And he tries to get, uh, get her to make the bread quickly. He went to kill a calf to prepare it. And Abraham was standing with these men while they ate. And then these three men, they ask where his wife is. Right? These men are asking for his wife. And he says, she's in the tent. And this is what it says. Look at ch- chapter 18, verse 10. It's up on the screen. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Then God says, Why did Sarah laugh? Like, what's so funny here? And then God says in verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. So Sarah tried to deny it, but God knew, right, and said, no, you you did laugh, right? She tried to deny that she didn't laugh at God. He said, no, you did laugh. And then we fast forward to chapter 21, and this is what it says, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said, did to Sarah as he had promised, And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac. So we just saw that this crazy promise that it actually happened. God kept his promise. God kept a promise that seemed to be impossible. Abraham and Sarah, 25 years Right, this was 25 years after the initial promise. They had a baby together and they named him Isaac. Named him Isaac. So God made the impossible possible. So again, here we see that God is the ultimate promise keeper. 
God is the ultimate promise keeper. So uh, look at your neighbor now and say, okay, we've made it. Uh, just, just look at him and say, okay, we, we made it. All right. So for those of you that didn't make it, right, so, some of you may have spaced out. Check back in here. Okay. Uh, here's the simple, quick cliff note version. So you're not completely lost the rest of the sermon. So you've got to pay attention. It's really short. God made what seemed to be an impossible promise. They would be blessed with their child that seemed, to, seemed impossible to have. And Sarah and Abram seemed to have moments of doubt, but yet God remained faithful. Okay? And God kept his promise. And through it all, we see that Abraham and Sarah, although they had moments of doubt, they ultimately kept their faith. And in this story, I want to highlight these themes that pop up, which I gave you the outline earlier. Um, The danger of doubt, the faithfulness of God, and the power of faith. So let's look at the first theme. Okay? The danger of doubt. As we just saw, Sarah and Abraham had a few had a few moments of doubt. We saw evidence that they did not believe God would give Sarah a baby. We saw that when Sarah, we saw that when Sarah told Abraham to have a baby with Hagar, and then Abraham actually did it. And then we see their doubt again when Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100, which as the Bible says, the way of the woman had ceased to be with Sarah. And not only was Sarah barren her entire life, but I guess you could say she was doubly barren at this time, right? She was doubly barren. I, you know, I, I seem, uh, one seemed very, very unlikely before, but now it just seemed flat out impossible. Like this just doesn't, this isn't biologically possible. So Sarah and Abraham, they doubted God and they laughed at the hilariousness of the idea, which honestly, who can blame them? I mean, just who can blame them? But one of the things I want to point out, specifically in the first instance of doubt, when Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham, and I think this is significant, that this is where we see the great danger in doubt. So follow me here. I think, I think this is important because in their moment of doubt, they try to take actions into their own hands and make God's promise come true on their own accord and in their own way and in their own timing. So we know this. About 10 years had passed from their first promise given, and Sarah, she knew she was getting too old to have a baby, so she did what, honestly, what, I, what we all do in our moments of doubt. Ultimately, Sarah did not believe that God was good. And Sarah did not believe that God would keep his promise. God's promise, it seemed too crazy. God's promise seemed too far off. It seemed very unlikely and somewhat impossible. But there's not a doubt in my mind that almost every single person in this room is struggling with faith in some area of your life. We all have moments of doubt, right? Doubt is essentially lacking confidence or certainty. We can doubt a lot of things. We can, we can lack confidence in ourselves in different things. We can lack confidence in people. We can doubt or lack confidence in systems or objects or sports teams. I mean, I really think I get this more than probably anybody else um, because I went to NC State. I have serious doubts in our sports team every single year right every year everyone is just so hopeful like we're all so hopeful but I never buy it because it never happens that's what doubt is lacking confidence in something not believing it will happen but for us here today I want us to be reminded that we too we also 
experience doubt. We doubt God, and we'll see doubt shows up in our life in a bunch of different areas of our life, in a bunch of different ways. And we say, and honestly, to say that we never doubt, to say that we, uh, we are not currently, currently experiencing doubt is honestly prideful and completely ignoring our fallen humanity. It's just prideful. There are so many ways we can doubt God, how we can lack confidence in God. We see it in the big pictures of our life, and we can also see it in small day-to-day moments of our life. Right? I have no idea what it is for you today, but I'm confident there is an area of your life, of my life, where we all tend to lack faith, where we have tendencies to doubt and lack confidence in the Lord. And maybe you walked in here today, maybe you're wondering if this whole Christianity thing is even true, like wondering if Jesus really is who he says he is. And if that's you in some way, I actually think that's really good and healthy. Like a faith that is not questioned is not a faith worth following. And we encourage people to ask questions. We want, people to, we want to provide a safe space here uh, for people to figure out what they really believe. You know, there's not a single question that we're afraid people are going to ask us, but at some point, faith requires taking a step. Even when we don't know all the answers. Or maybe today you walked in just questioning God. Maybe it's not a salvation issue, but maybe, we're, maybe you're questioning God on, on His goodness in your life. You're, you're, you're possibly lacking confidence. Is, is God really for you? Maybe you wouldn't admit it and say you're truly questioning God's goodness, or maybe you would, you would maybe, maybe you wouldn't admit that uh, because you're no, you know in your mind that God is good, that it's, you know, like that's, it's theologically incorrect to say that God is not good, um, but possibly we know it in our mind that God is good, but we have a hard time believing it in our heart, Right? This happens to each of us in so many different ways. Now let me give you one example of how I I know this could be true in your life. Have you ever been discontent about a situation? I know I have. Maybe it shows up by lashing out in anger. Maybe it shows up by treating people poorly. Maybe you get frustrated. Or maybe it shows by just being anxious about something. I I know this happens to me. It happens to a lot, all of us in some ways. And at its core... Lacking contentment, not being content, is doubting that God is good. And when we do this, we're lacking confidence that in our current situation, we're lacking confidence that God is for us. We're lacking confidence in God's plan for our life. Maybe it's with work or school. Maybe it's with a family or a a living situation. Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's a relationship status or friends that you have or friends that you maybe don't have right now, there could be a thousand areas of your life where this could show up, where we could doubt God's goodness in our life, where we can lack contentment, where we can be fearful, where we can be anxious or nervous, things that keep us up at night, things that distract us, whatever it is, and I don't know what it is for you, but when we feel restless, when we feel not satisfied, when we feel anxious, when we lack contentment in that moment, we're essentially failing to believe that God is good. And oftentimes, we do exactly what Sarah and Abraham did. We try to take matters into our own hands. And oftentimes, causing us to sin against God, whether it be out of anger, or settling, or complaining, or doing something that we know blatantly dishonors God. So again, I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to see from Sarah's example that doubt can be very dangerous. Because in our moments of doubt, just like Sarah and Abraham here, it can lead us to sin against God. Every time we sin, we're showing signs of doubt. And in that moment of our sin, we're showing we don't trust 
God's ways. We're showing that we know better than God. We're disobeying God. Right? When we disobey God, we're showing that we think our ways are better than his ways. Every single one of our sins is tied to a seed of doubt. Every single one. We sin for a number of reasons, primarily because it's in our nature, it's in our sin nature to sin. But outside of it being in our sin nature to sin, when we get down to it, we also sin because we lack, we lack confidence in God's ways. Most of our sins are somehow tied to doubting God's promise, God's promises. And I want to ask a question for each of us here today, something for each of us to think through. Where are we showing signs of doubt? Like what part of your life are we showing signs of doubt? Maybe you're showing signs of doubt, as we just talked about, with the sin struggle. Maybe you've got a reoccurring sin in your life and you're starting to doubt that God can change you. Maybe you're showing signs of doubt with your future. You're worried or anxious about something. Maybe you're showing signs of doubt with the situation in your life. Doubting God's goodness in your life. Wondering if God is faithful. Maybe you're showing signs of doubt. Doubting if God will ever work in a person's life that you've been praying for for months or possibly years. Right? Praying year after year for the same person and doubting if God is actually going to save this person. I don't know what it is. But every single day in our sin, we're showing signs of doubt. So what is it for you? Where do you have tendencies to doubt God? Whatever it is, I want to remind us today that in spite of our doubt, God is still faithful. God is still faithful, which leads us to our second point, the faithfulness of God. Over and over again, we see in our story, in spite of, in spite of Abraham and Sarah continually showing doubt, God kept showing up. God continued to be faithful. In spite of their faithlessness, God kept his promise. Even when Abraham and Sarah seemed to turn against God in their unbelief, in their sin, and in their doubt, God did not leave them or forsake them. This is such good news, right? Hear this today. In spite of your doubt, in spite of my doubt, in spite of our faithlessness, in spite of our sin, God is still faithful and God still keeps his promises. Abraham and Sarah completely turned against God. They tried to take matters into their own hands and commit a sin that caused thousands of years of trouble. Their sin caused thousands of years. One sin caused thousands of years of repercussions. Not only that, but Sarah and Abraham, they both laughed at God, essentially mocking God. They mocked him. So get this. They committed a horrendous sin. They caused a massive web of sins, hardship, and toil for thousands of years. And then they both essentially mocked God, and yet God still showed up. God still gave them a promise of what? Of a great blessing. Like, he didn't just show up, but he showed up with a, a, a promise of a great blessing. Like, they sinned against God, and God blessed them anyways. Brothers and sisters, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. We have done far worse than we could ever imagine, yet God's grace is far greater than we could ever hope for. We see this ultimately displayed at the cross. Right, this is ultimately shown at the cross. We have done horrible, terrible sins. All of us, our entire life, is marked by sin, just one sin. It eternally separates us from God, yet God is so faithful. And he goes to the cross anyways and takes our sin on our behalf. Hear me today. There's no sin that deems us too far from God's grace. God's grace is always greater than our sin. God's grace is always greater than our sin. There is hope for each of us here today, but hear me on this, we can only receive God's grace and God's blessing through trusting in Jesus. 
We know that Abraham believed God, he followed him, and he left his land and followed God. He left everything he knew and followed God. Not perfectly, right? But as the Bible says, his faith counted him as righteous. Abraham's faith in God counted him as righteous before God in spite of his sin and moments of doubt. Every single person in this room, we have to ask the same question, will we follow God? The Bible is very clear. Right? We follow God by believing in Jesus and following Jesus. That's our means by which we trust, right? by which we trust Jesus. We, have, we all have an option. We follow God to great eternal blessing, or as we saw last week, we reject God to eternal cursing. We have two options, eternal blessing or eternal cursing. There's no middle ground. Right? The decision it has to be made. Hear me on this. I pray that if you have not trusted Christ, I pray that you would. I pray that you would give your life to following Jesus. Because it comes with the same promise that God gave to Abraham. It comes with a great blessing. But if you reject Christ, deny Christ, if you do not follow Christ, the only other option is an eternal separation from God. That's the eternal cursing of hell. And there's no middle ground. Right? There's no middle ground. Being undecided, that's rejecting Christ. You can't, we can't stay idle and undecided about this. And hear me, please. God is so faithful in spite of our doubts, in spite of our failures, in spite of our unanswered questions. God remains faithful. God is waiting for us, waiting for you patiently with open arms. He knows we will have moments of doubt. He knows that we will not be perfectly faithful. He knows we will mess up and sin against God. That's why the gospel is such good news. That's why we need the gospel every single day. The gospel is good news every day. Every day we wake up, it's good news. Because Jesus, on our, on our behalf, he never doubts God and is perfectly faithful and he's without sin. And every day we wake up, and because of our faith in Jesus, every day we claim for ourselves that standing before God that Jesus earned. Right? We, get God's stand, we get Jesus standing before God as righteous, as forgiven, as a child of God. Like, like that's our gift that we get every day. And in God's kindness, when we're faithless, God shows up anyways, just like he always does. And he grants us faith with power, which leads us to our last point, the power of faith. At the very end of the life of Abraham. We see this really interesting moment um, where Abraham's old, we, uh, he's got his son Isaac with him, his, new, his, his only son Isaac with him. And God told Abraham, he says, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son. And in that moment, what seemed to be the craziest thing <laughs> that Abraham could possibly do for him to sacrifice his son, um, that they, they waited years and years for the son. The son that, that God promises them, that through, their, that through this son that they've given them, they would receive great blessing. But although it seemed crazy, Abraham still trusted God. He obeyed God. And when it seemed like that should be the last thing he should do, he still trusted God anyways. And you know the end of the story, you know that it eventually all worked out. God intervened and he saved Isaac. But I just think about that moment. I think about that moment where Abraham showed unbelievable faith. In the moment, he probably should have shown great doubt. Abraham showed great faith. And you know why? <laughs> because he believed in God's promise. He believed in the promise-keeping nature of God. He was able to look back and see that God has been faithful thus far. right? And Abraham could trust, because God has been faithful so far, that he would be faithful 
in the future. But he'll also be faithful now, even when it seems crazy and hard and very difficult. And I don't know what it is for you today. I have no clue. But what area of your life, where are you tempted to doubt God? But I want to call you today, in your moments of doubt, I want to call you to find great hope and comfort in the promises of God. Because just as God told Sarah when she laughed at him, God also says to us, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I want to call each of us to remember that, to trust the promise that nothing is too hard for the Lord. That doesn't mean that God is going to give us whatever we want, but it does mean he can, he will give you exactly what you need, even when it seems impossible. I have no idea what brought you here today. Whatever it is, I want to call you to cling to Jesus. I want us to remember who God is, that God is the ultimate promise keeper. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've got a sin struggle that you can't just seem to defeat. And maybe you're starting to doubt that God can't actually change you. Maybe you're doubting that He can change you. That you'll, that you'll find victory here. I want to call you to wholeheartedly reject that. Like, and believe in the promise that God redeems and rescues sinners. I want to call you to believe the promise that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, begging and pleading to Him on your behalf. God is pleading on your behalf. And Jesus went to the cross not just to save you, but to help you battle sin. Jesus didn't leave you in your sin. He has equipped you to battle your sin. Hear this. 1 Peter 1.3 says, gives us a promise. He says that because of the cross, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything. If you're doubting God in the midst of your sin, you need to proclaim that over your life. If you have trusted in Christ, if you believe the gospel, God has infused you with the power to fight sin in your life. He's given everything you need for godliness. Hear me on this. Listen, Satan has no claim over you. Right? Sin has no power over you. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a child of the living God. That has been declared over you. Don't doubt this today. Believe this with power. Right? That's just one example. That's just one example. Maybe there's a fear of the future. Maybe you're fearful of a situation. Maybe you're worried about your kids or school or finances. You need to hear the promise today where God says, fear not, God is with you. God is with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. Right? He'll never leave you or forsake you. Never. Ever. Not in your loneliness, not in your isolation, not in your addiction, not in your anger, not in your selfishness. God will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Like, never means never, right? If you're, I'm sure that some of us need to believe this today. I don't know if it's with your finances, a job, a hard relationship. You need to trust in God's promises that he is in the midst of all of it. Right? God is with you. He's not just with you, but he is with you in power. Listen, God has thousands of angels at his disposal at all times. Thousands of them. Fighting our battles for us. Yet... The Spirit of the living God is greater than all the angels combined. And if you've trusted in Jesus, you have believed that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus defeated sin and death, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Spirit that is inside of you, that Spirit is greater than all the angels living together. That Spirit is dwelling inside of your heart, living inside of you. I don't know who, he need, who needs to hear this today, but God is with you. God will never leave you or forsake you. Listen. There is great power in faith. When we are full of faith, we can walk in confidence. 
We can know that God is for us, that God is with us, that Satan has no claim over us. There is not a single part of our life that is separated from the hand of God. Not a single, pro- not a single part. We have a promise that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Right? Absolutely nothing. And part of your life, no part of your life is too difficult for God. We have a God that has thousands of years. Thousands of years of a history of faithfulness and kept promises. Don't believe the, the, don't believe the lie that your life is also not in his hands. Right? If you have trusted in Jesus, we are grafted into the promise of Abraham. Jesus didn't leave you at the cross when he saw the sin in our life. He didn't leave the cross. If he saw our sin, he didn't leave it. He saw every future sin, every past sin. He saw every sin of the entire world. So why in the world do we think that Jesus would leave us now? He's already seen all of your sin. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Hear this, God God is with you. God is holding on to you. God holds the whole world in his hands. And that includes your lives, your kids' lives, your finances, your friends that you have, the friends that we don't have. God is with you in the midst of it all. God is with our church. He knows everything we need and don't need. He gives good gifts and he takes them away. And all of it is for our good, all of it. We have a promise that God will build his church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. No matter the hardship, God wins and Satan loses. Our labor is never in vain. God is doing far more than we could ever ask or imagine. He is working in us. He is working in you. And he's working in the lives of those all around us, those that that, that do not know Jesus. Listen, God redeems rebels. God rescues orphans. God cares for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the unwed mother, and the refugee. In spite of our weak attempts, God is over it all. Our labor is not in vain, and we can labor in confidence. And not only that, we also can rest, and we can worship Jesus with so much confidence. Because God has declared over us an everlasting promise that when we trust in Jesus Christ, we are grafted into the promise of Abraham. We are heirs to the promise of an everlasting blessing. We have an everlasting hope, and we're God's forever children. Forever. If we believe in Jesus, we are heirs to the king of the kingdom. We need to hear that today, and that's a promise. Because God is the ultimate promise keeper. When it seems like we should doubt, we have a great reason to trust in God's faithfulness. New City Church, let's let's worship our promise-keeping God today. Father, we're, we're so thankful for how you, uh, you love us. Father, you, you're, you're, you hold the whole world in your hands. Father, our life is in your hands. Everything that we do is in your hands. Father, we pray that we would uh, not have moments of doubt, but we would have great faith, that we would trust in the faithfulness of God. Father, we need you, we love you, and we ask for your help. We ask this all in Jesus' name.